John chapter 12. Today, I want to bring the concluding part of extravagant worship. How many have enjoyed extravagant worship? Has, have you learned something from extravagant worship? Hallelujah. Oh, how many have learned something? Only one or two people. All right. John chapter 12, from 1 to 8. It's a story we've read over and over again, but I want us to read it one last time. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who, was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, uh, they, there they made a, him a great supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at table with him. Then Mary took a pound of a very costly oil of spikenard, anointed spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with the hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Hallelujah. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it meaning that he was siphoning the money. Amen. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this day. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always. But me, you do not have always. Amen. Amen. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Hallelujah. Today I want to conclude by talking about enemies of extravagant worship. Enemies of extravagant worship. How many know that there are enemies of extravagant worship? Anytime you want to worship God in a very special way. Anytime you want to worship God in a very careless way an extravagant way, you will meet some enemies. In this story, we have just met one enemy who is just part of Jesus' crew, just part of Jesus' entourage is uh, the Simon's son called Judas. And the Bible is saying that he was a thief. Not that he cared for the poor, but he was somebody that was critical about the extravagance that was displayed in the worship of Jesus. He was not particularly enthused. He was not particularly uh, taken in with all the things that was going on. He was not happy. But before I talk about the enemies of extravagant worship, I want you to know why the enemies exist. Hallelujah. How many things is a good idea? That we should know why the enemies of extravagant worship exist. The reason why the enemies of extravagant worship exist is because they know that worship is a weapon. Someone say worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon and that is why Satan will always rise against anybody who wants to worship God. Especially when they want to worship God in a very extravagant way. Knowing very well that God is a God that is very choosy about the type of worship he receives. God doesn't receive any and every type of worship. We know this because in, in the book of Genesis, we read in chapter 4 that he rejected the worship that uh, Cain brought. And accepted the worship that Abel brought. Hallelujah. Which means that it's not every kind of worship that he accepts. And so the enemy would want you to give a worship, but a careless type of worship. Remember when um, Moses went to Pharaoh and said to Pharaoh that 
That says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may worship me in the wilderness. What did Pharaoh say? Pharaoh is a type of demon that stands against the worship of the people of God. How many understand that? And Pharaoh said to, to Moses, you shall not go. It will not happen. And then when the plague started coming, he says, okay, you can go, but leave your valuable goods behind. Leave your wives and your children and go, but don't go too far. Which means that give a certain type of worship, but don't give an extravagant worship. Give a mediocre worship. Give a very uh, ordinary and average worship, but don't give a very extravagant worship. And I like what Moses said. Moses said to uh, Pharaoh, not an hoof will be left behind. We are going to go with all that we have and we are going to sacrifice carelessly to our God. Hallelujah. We are going to worship extravagantly because Pharaoh knew something that even Moses and Israel didn't know. Pharaoh knew how strong and how powerful their God they worship was and how if they engage their God in worship, what type of power will be released? Amen. Let me give you five reasons why our worship is a weapon and so powerful. The first thing is that worship changes your focus. Amen. How many know that your point of view is dependent on your viewpoint? And when you begin to worship, you change your position of focus from the problem to the solution. Are you with me? Let God arise unless his enemies be scattered. Which means that if God sits down, his enemies will prosper. When we don't elevate our God, then it means that his enemies will stand up and do whatever they want to do. It doesn't mean our God is not powerful, but the power of our God is made manifest in our worship. When we worship God, then our, the power of our God is enhanced. Amen. So when you begin to focus on your trouble, your rent is due. The landlord is chasing. You are broke. You haven't paid your bills. Now they've just increased electricity by three or four, four times what you were paying. They've increased gas three or four times what you are paying. Fuel has gone up about three or four times what you are paying. But the only thing, everything has gone up. The only thing that never went up is your, your salary. Your salary stays the same. Everything around you, everything that you spend money on has gone up. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? In a land that has been compounded by Vladimir Putin to bring such, you know, I just got a letter saying that the base rate is also going up. Which means that your mortgage and the interest you pay is also going up. Everything is going up. The only thing that is not going up is your salary. And so when you come to the house of God and then this uh, uh, worship leader is enthusiastic, they sing, dance, dance. How can I dance when I have these problems? How can I sing the Lord's song in a very strange land? It is not possible to sing the Lord's song. Hallelujah. But the more we focus on the problem, the more our God becomes incapable of helping us. Are you with me? When your focus was upon the problem, you began to sink. When your focus was shifted to Jesus, Peter, you will walk on water. Hallelujah. You know the story that Peter was walking towards Jesus in the middle of the water. He was walking on water. So long as his focus was on Jesus, he could walk on the water. But the Bible says at some point he saw the wind. Peter is the only person in history who saw the wind. Nobody else has seen the wind, but Peter saw the wind. Everybody else feels the wind. Peter alone, he saw the wind. 
And the Bible says, when he saw the wind, he became afraid. Which means that his focus was shifted from Jesus to the wind. And as soon as his focus was shifted from Jesus to the wind, he began to sink. So, if I were Satan, and I know that there is so much power that is released in your worship and in your praise, I will change your focus. Because if I can change your focus and put all the problems on your head, you will not be able to sing. You will not be able to dance. You will not be able to give. Hallelujah. Number two, the reason why your worship is also a, a, is powerful is that your worship also changes your perspective. Now, focus is your viewpoint. Perspective is what you see. So focus changes where you stand. Perspective is how you see it. Hallelujah. Worship helps you to zoom out of your circumstance and see God enthroned. Isaiah said that for the time that King Uzziah, King Uzziah was the person that was causing so much trouble. And so because of his life and what he was doing, it was difficult for anybody to focus on anything but what he was doing. King Uzziah was like a Vladimir Putin that was causing so much trouble. So everybody could not help but focus on him. Hallelujah. But the Bible said, in the day that Queen Uzziah died, that focus was shifted from problem to see the Lord. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his strength filled the temple. That, that, that image or that vision was always there. But it needed King Uzziah to be moved out of the way for us to see the Lord. Hallelujah. So, you see, if you can begin to worship the Lord, even though King Uzziah is not dead, you begin to see what you need to see. You begin to experience what you need to experience. Number three, worship changes circumstances. Remember Paul and Silas. Their circumstances was bleak, isn't it? They lived in a place, or they were in a place of bondage. They had shackles. They had prison mates as their, uh, what do you call it? Next door neighbors. They had very, very bad people, criminals, as their neighbors. But at midnight, the Bible says that Paul and Silas began to sing, began to give God the glory and the Bible says that the priest, there was an earthquake that shook the very foundations of the prison bars and the ions. Prison bars and ions cannot hold you, hold you captive when the worship of God goes up. I don't care what is holding you captive. If only you can lift up your voice to worship, it will break the chain. Hallelujah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21, the Bible says that and when they, they had consulted the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord. Remember, the three kings had gathered to fight the king of Judah. And the Bible says that when he had consulted the people, he appointed, instead of appointing uh, different battalions to fight, this is what he did. He appointed those who would sing to the Lord. And those who, those who should praise the beauty of his holiness. As they went out before the army and were singing, were saying, praise the Lord for his, his mercy endures forever. When they had begun to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushment against the people of Amnon, Moab, and Manseh, who had come against Judah. And they were defeated. Hallelujah. May your circumstances change as you lift up a worship to the Lord. Hallelujah. This is why Satan will want you to keep your focus on the three kings. The three kings that are fighting you. Ammon is coming. Manseh is coming. Moab is coming. 
You, your focus is all on the problem. You can't even sing in the house of God. You can't worship. The king was afraid. Fear had gripped him. But the prophets came and said, take it easy. Stand still. And see the salvation that God will bring. If only you can lift up your voice to worship him, you will receive your victory. Hallelujah. Number four, worship changes the enemy's position. It's not only your position that shifts in worship. The enemy's position is shifted. In Psalm 22, verse 3, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we begin to sing and worship, the highlights or the floodlight is moved from the enemy to us. Hallelujah. It changes the focus. It changes, it, it, it tilts, it tilts the, 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 the fight on our behalf. Remember Moses lifting his hands. When his hands came down, they began to lose their fight. But as his hands went up in worship, that position was tilted against the enemy. Hallelujah. So when you lift up your hands to worship, you tilt the fight. The enemy's position will change. May the enemy's position change in your life. Hallelujah. Number five, worship changes those around you as well. Remember, it was not just Paul and Silas. Every prisoner was free that day. Hallelujah. As you worship, it's not just only the people, you that, be, that get the victory. Those around you, as Jehoshaphat led the people to worship God, the whole of the uh, uh, people of Judah were set free. And not only were they set free, they received a booty from three kings. Gold, silver, cattle from three different kings became theirs. The people who were in the place who were part of the, the army or the people who were there were afraid. Even they, they, they got something. Those who were hiding even got something because the enemy had been beaten. Amen. This is the reason why Satan will never want you to praise God and worship God. This is the reason why he has set enemies Enemies to fight your worship. To fight your worship. To make sure that your worship never ever comes out. Hallelujah. So let's look at some of these enemies quickly. The first enemy I want us to look at is the enemy called pride. Pride. The enemy called pride. Pride is the easiest weapon Satan uses against worship. Remember, pride was what beat him in Ezekiel 38. Remember, he, he, Lucifer, son of the morning, how he, he lost his position because he said, I will. Pride was what defeated him. And he's using the same thing to defeat us. Same thing. Make sure that because of pride, we will never ever worship God extravagantly. The reason why you can't clap in the house of God and dance in a way in the house of God is pride. In the party... You can dance. In the stadium, you can dance. In the dark, you can dance. In the nightclub, it doesn't matter whether you don't know how to dance or not. You will be able to find a way to dance. Ah, uh, you get what I'm saying? 
But when you come to the house of God, something stops you from dancing. And that thing is called pride. Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6 says something there. It says that there are six things that God hates. Hmm. 6.16. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. A haughty eye. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked, wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. He says that pride. First thing is pride. Spirit that makes you overestimate. What, what version is that? Amplifies a spirit that makes you overestimate yourself and underestimate others. The spirit that makes you overestimate yourself is the reason why you cannot worship. Am I talking to somebody? Remember Mikhail in 2 Samuel uh, 6.20? Remember how, how low was the king? The daughter of Micah came out, verse 21. Go on quickly. Say that how, how low was the king to lay? And David said, it was before the Lord that I did this. The one who chose me above your dad. I don't want problems. Okay, she was warning me before I said anything, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Go on, quickly, quickly. Let's move up. Your dad. Therefore, I will celebrate. Now, don't stop it. Don't put me in trouble. I will celebrate in pure enjoyment before the Lord. Go on, quickly. Yet, I will demean myself even more than this and be humbled or abased in my own sight. And in yours, as I am pleased by the mates whom you mentioned, by them I shall be held in honor. Hallelujah. Pride is what stops you from moving your feet, from singing, from clapping, from shouting in the house of God. You, you, you overestimate yourself. What do you have that was not given to you by God? Who are you? I mean, for most people, it, 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 it's, I've, I've seen this, especially, and the reason we can't preach this very much, I mean, pastors can't preach this very much because they suffer it the most. Have you not realized that most of the time, pastors don't join in worship? During praise and worship, they're in the office. As the praise and worship is finishing, that's when they walk into the service. They can't clap. They can't sing. They can't, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. The day they appointed, they'll be playing instruments. The day they appoint them, they stop playing instruments. He said, let the small children play. I remember the, the day I was appointed, then following day, I was wanted to go and play the keyboard. The people were saying, no, 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 I shouldn't play anymore. I should leave it for the young boys. That was over 20 years ago. I'm still playing. Never, ever overestimate yourself. Never overestimate who you are. Still sing. I say still sing. Still lead worship. Become too big. I can't sing anymore. I can't play anymore. Now I am Reverend Dr. Peter Bishop Apostle. So now the keyboard is too small for me to play. So you are leaving it for somebody who doesn't know where the key is. 
to struggle when you can play. That season of my life is gone. Now we've gone to higher glory. Hey! Please. Please. It is the greatest enemy. Greatest enemy, pride. Pride. Can't, you can't dance. Having always realized that is the young people who don't have anything to their names, they are the ones who come to the front to dance. In every church. Those of us who think that we have some degrees and we have some things about us, we, ha- we, we stand at the back. Give the Lord a clap, then we just go like that. Give the Lord a shout, then we are just looking at the, the young, enthusiastic people who are just misbehaving all over the place. <laughs> Let me leave it quickly before I get in trouble. I didn't write the Bible. Don't look at me that way. Number two, self-will. Self-will is that the ugly twin brother or twin sister of pride. I would do it, but I'll do it my own way. Remember Leviticus 7, Jonadab, Nadab and Abihu. Do you, do you remember them? Leviticus 10. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, these were supposed to be the sons of the priest. They are supposed to lead worship. Each took his censer and put in fire, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which was not command, he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Moses and Aaron, and then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who came near me, I must be regarded as holy. Before all the people, I must be glorified. Hallelujah. I have a way I want things done. Not the way you want to do things. Because now you think you are somebody. Hallelujah. You see, all the things I'm going to talk about, they all bothers around pride. All of them bothers in one form or the other. And those are the things that stops us from worship, giving extravagant worship. The Lord says, give a thousand pounds. Yeah, you don't understand. These days, things are not that simple. I will give. But instead of a thousand, I'm going to give 200. That's a strange fire that you're introducing. One of the things that I ask an individual, one of the things that I always am afraid of is when the Lord says to do something, to give something, an exact amount. I don't joke with that thing because I know the implications. How many have felt God tell you to do something, give something? And, and, and you see, the, most of us, we block that, his voice, that part of his voice. In a, we, we block it. That's why we've never felt it. Today, this, this afternoon, the Lord told me to give something that I really didn't want to give. And to give it to somebody that I didn't want to give to the person. See, if he, if he says give it to the church, it's easy for me to do. But he said, give something to somebody. I didn't want to do it. I've been struggling with it for like the last three weeks. But the Lord told me, give. Immediately, I Give. You know when you do something, you finish it. I felt. Whew. 
And you see, if you are sensitive, God will always tell you that. Because that's the best avenue for God to bless you. He wants to check your heart. That you don't have anything that's clocking and blocking the flow of blessing. I keep telling you, it's like water. If you want to drink the water more than you are supposed to give out, you become a desert. An extravagant worshiper is the one that knows how to direct the water. As God gives it, you direct it. We are, no, we are nothing. We are nobody. Don't do strange fire. Instead of giving it to where God wants me to give it to, now I'm going to redirect it to somewhere. Yeah, now I'm bringing it to church. He didn't ask me to put it to church. <laughs> you get to it. He said, give it to that person. But still, you have to, so you do it. Hallelujah. Number three. Tradition. In Matthew 23, verse 23. Jesus speaking says, I want to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, for faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the form, the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a nut, but swallow a camel. What do you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, you clean, clean, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, then, the out, then also the outside will be clean. Hallelujah. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which are, who look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of bones of the dead, dead men's bones, every, and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. What you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you build tombs for the prophets, decorate the, grave, the graves of the righteous, and you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the... If you had lived in the days of your ancestors, would you, we would not have taken part with them in shedding blood of the prophets. So... You testify against yourself that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Hallelujah. Traditions. Traditions. Things that we prompt ourselves. Traditionally, we have to do it this way. We have to do it that way. So when the Lord says that, do it in another way, say no. Tradition. See, if you, are, if you walk with God, God will always tell you to do something different. Every now and then, he will just confuse your tradition. For us, our tradition is just to give. We are going to give, give in church. Now, sometimes God will say, don't give in church. Go and give to that person. Changes your theology immediately. <laughs> How many understand what I'm saying? Amen. It's part of Traditionally, this is what we do. Traditional, no, no, no. Uh, an extravagant worshiper is a worshiper that obeys God, not tradition. Whether it's difficult or easy, you obey what God is telling you to do. Are you with me? Uh, 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 somebody who's going to be an extravagant worshiper of God is not a man pleaser. We said this the other day, isn't it? You are not interested in pleasing man, but to please God. And if you are going to please God, God is not a God of tradition. The reason why, you see, when Jesus 
came to town. The people he struggled with the most were the Pharisees, the religious people. Today, do you know who the Pharisees are? The modern day Pharisees are you and I. Which means that if Jesus was in town today, he probably would never have come into church. You don't like my message. Because we like tradition. We like doing this. Is, tradition means this is how we've always done it. And so we have to three, three songs, two, three fast, one slow. Traditions of men. Isn't it? When we gather, we have to sing three songs or four songs, three fast, one slow. One day you come and God won't make you sing one song throughout the whole service. Don't break, don't break it because of tradition. Sometimes it's not, it's not even three, uh, one song. Sometimes just one line. In the whole one line, the whole worship is just one line. You flow with it. It says that to behold to obey is better. And to sacrifice. Hallelujah. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Just what God is saying is what you do. Not what you think has to be done. That is what the Pharisees always go into trouble with Jesus for. Because they they thought things have to be done in a certain way. So you break protocol. Michal thought that David was breaking protocol by dancing the way he was dancing in front of the ark. It was breaking. As royalty, you're not supposed to behave like that. As a pastor, you're not supposed to dance with the common people like that. You have to be dignified. That's why they make you sit in front. No. Hallelujah. One day, I went to visit we, we went to visit a certain church. And then when we went, they were having this uh, conference. And there was nobody playing the keyboard. And this, my wife, this same, my wife. Oh, my trouble starts, always starts with her. She says, why are you sitting down when there's, there's a worship going on and there's no keyboard? And you are sitting down. Then she kept pushing me, kept pushing me, kept pushing me. So she kicked me, and I went to sit on the stage, and I was playing the keyboard during the worship. And as I was playing, and they were singing, this armchair prophet (laughs) or YouTube prophet who they had called to be invited to come and preach. I don't know whether it was take offering. He looked at me, and he prophesied. Said that that says the Lord from today, this is your church. You must always be here to play the keyboard. <laughs> Remember uh, Judas criticized the Pharisees, condemned Jesus and the woman. This woman is a sinner. What's that supposed to mean? It means she's not even welcome into the company of the righteous. This woman doesn't deserve to be here. Hallelujah. By Jesus said that this woman, what this woman has done will be a memorial. Wherever this gospel is preached, this woman's name and this woman's act will be preached about. Amen. Nobody preaches about the Pharisee. But everybody preaches about the woman with the alabaster box. There are many songs written about her. Nobody has written any song about the Pharisee. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't be afraid of what people will say about your worship. Don't be afraid about your act of worship. We are going to the city center to sing. And say, oh, I'm going to stand far away because I don't want people to look at me as one of those fanatics. No, 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 no. We are all crazy. All crazy about something. And if you are crazy about Jesus, that's all right. 
Somebody's crazy about, have you not seen those who people are basking and singing and doing things in the place? Everybody's crazy about something. So if you're crazy about Jesus, it's all right. Don't be worried about somebody's judgment on you. I have always wondered how you go to the stadium and they score a goal. And then people jump and they're hugging strangers. You see women hugging strange men. Nico, this doesn't happen. When you're in the stadium, don't they do that? Don't people hug each other? They don't know. In the church, you say, turn to your neighbor and say hello. It's not, you do like that. But in the football, the way they tell you, oh, you see them, they'll be jumping together and hugging each other. There is no shame. There is no shame. There's no shame in the stadium. Peter, isn't it true? Everybody shouts. Everybody's, when it's go, it's go. We are all shouting and we are all jumping. And when they start singing, everybody's singing. Even with coffee. You see, this old lady, sometimes I saw one of them, I saw this, the lady will be in her late 50s. And she was, she stood up and she was singing with all her energy. And she had, and singing. I said, like, this woman, if she was in church, she wouldn't sing like that. Yeah. Singing, 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 just because the, food, the, the team had won one goal. No, they won. They won the game, one nil. But the way that this lady was singing, I was like, wow. With all her strength and energy, you could see the vein in her uh, uh, throat, this side, singing, screaming. Passion was inside. And I was saying that if the same lady in her late 50s is in church, would she sing with all the, with the veins popping out like that? No. You see, immediately she will become... The enemies are in the church. They are not in the football stadium. What number are we on? Critical spirit. Critical spirit. In Matthew 26, verse 8, when Jesus was marching into Jerusalem, but his disciples saw it and they were indignant, saying, okay, this is the why waste. But um, in Luke chapter 19, verse 35, then they brought him, they brought him to Jesus and they saw and they, they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on it. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was drawing near to near the descent of the Mount of Mount Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praising God. Hallelujah. What, what verse am I on? They began to rejoice, praising God with a loud voice, and they had seen verse 38 quickly. But some of the Pharisees called to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he said, I tell you, if this should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Hallelujah. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why are you giving them the opportunity? To blaspheme. Critical. Hallelujah. Critical. Critical. Critics of worshipers. When you come to church and somebody's dancing around, why is this person doing this? I remember one day, yeah, in this church. I, I don't know whether it was a normal service or it was um, 
convention. I, I can't remember, but uh, I prayed for this girl, and she started manifesting all over the place. And I prayed for her, and then she fell. And then when they went home, her flatmate went to, and told their flat, other flatmates that their flatmate is a witch. But then she came to church, and the pastor... <laughs> I don't know whether you remember this story. It became a whole big drama. In the end, they had to move from the flats and everything. So a few years ago, I don't know if I mentioned it now, I'm sure you remember. Yeah, prayed for the girl here and she fell. Immediately the person went and said, our flat is a witch. <laughs> Hallelujah. People are critical of things they don't even understand. Judgmental. And because of that, it stops us from worshiping God extravagantly. It stops us from behaving a certain way. Somebody, you say we are giving offering a thousand, and you see somebody going to go, hey, you have money. You, you won't go. Somebody's going. You're criticizing them for going. I'm trying to, be careful. Oh. You have just come. We've been here all this while. <laughs> you don't get caught up in the frenzy like that. <laughs> no. That's not a good spirit. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? It's not a good spirit. Don't criticize people for worshiping their God. It's not your place. If you won't worship, allow somebody to worship God the way they want to worship. If they want to jump, let them jump. If they want to dance, let them dance. We used to have this guy in our church. He would dance, then he would jump and dive like from here to where Pastor Sam is. And he would dive like a, like a goalkeeper, dive and go and fall down and get up again and somersault. It was very scary and dangerous. I mean, he would somersault, flip, flip, so they can flip from the back and come to the front. And then he would die and he could dance. Dance. A very crazy dance. He was a pharmacist. <laughs> yeah, he was a pharmacist. He would flip, flip, and he would dance, jump from where, from one place and go and fall down there. Join, join worship. He's where everybody used to look down upon him. Nobody wanted to marry him. <laughs> he used to wear is it Gladstone something he's a proper pharmacist he, he would do somersault, 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 somersault. he would dive this way he would fall that day, he would get up again the roll hey. he used to do the snake you know that snake thing the snake thing <laughs> start from here do the snake all over the place hey No lady wanted to. Every lady that this guy approached, they said no. No, the guy was a correct guy. Oh. Correct pharmacist. Just because of the style of his worship, nobody wanted him. <laughs> I don't want my husband to misbehave like this in church. <laughs> I wonder where he is. <laughs> but that guy could dance. Yo. Number six, ignorance. Let's finish. Ignorance. Amen. Ignorance. Remember uh, last week, the one to the unknown God. The reason why we don't worship God is because we, know we are ignorant of his power. Number two, religious. Number seven, religious spirit. Religious spirit. And unforgiveness. Sometimes we, we, we are angry with God. How many know that sometimes we are? We are angry with God. So we can't worship him in a certain way. What we are expecting God to do, he hasn't done. We can't come out to say that we are angry. 
I will give you all. No, no, no anymore. I will give you all my. No, no, no anymore. Can't forgive God. Number nine, complaining. Complaining. Complaining focuses on the problem and not on God Himself. Amen. Always come. How many know that there are some people who complain about everything? Yeah, they complain about everything. Come to the house of God. The music is too loud. Why are there too many lights? Praise and worship is too long. There are too many people. The place is too hot. The prayer is too long. They, they are praying the African language. <laughs> they are praying. They are praying the African language. I don't understand. No. I'm not telling you a story. This is a proper a real thing that happened. That's why Paula White says that the angels of Africa are coming. Shanda, Ida, Baita, Amanda. And the angels, I don't know any, any African angel called Amanda. <laughs> If we are said uh, for lack, we are said, <laughs> you know, busola, or you are said uh, vuyo or something, then maybe I understand. But <laughs> Amanda, no, <laughs> not familiar. <laughs> Doesn't live in Africa. <laughs> Wrong address. <laughs> Number ten, last one, gossip. Gossip. How many of you agree that all these things borders around pride? And they stop us from giving our worship to the Lord. You dance once and they gossiped about you. They say she's doing that because she wants to attract a man. Immediately. Anybody wants to give. Uh, 200 pounds, and you got up and went. So you think you have money. Every time when they call, you are always the first to go. And you heard the criticism. Immediately in time they call, you don't want to get up anymore. When it's time to give offering, you don't want to know. Because you have been paralyzed by the gossip. I pray that that doesn't happen to you. Number one is what? Let's rehearse it quickly. Pride, number two. Number three, number four, number five, sorry, number six, number seven, number eight, number nine, number ten, gossip, hallelujah, 